Amen. The Lord God has given me the tongue of the land that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the learn. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. Amen. Please be seated. It's good to see every one of you tonight. Um, struggling real hard to get here in time. But thank God I was able to do that. I want to continue with the message uh, uh, saying the same things. That's hold fast. That's the title of the message, to hold fast. And uh, I want to start from the book of Hebrews, just to remind us of why we're doing this. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. It says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. So holding fast your confession must mean something in heaven. There must be a reason why God wants you to hold fast to your confession. In other words, don't let your confession go. Stay with it. And then in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 21 to 23, it says, Having again, talking about the high priest, that's Jesus as our high priest, having a high priest over the house of God. So the house of God is the church. This is the house of God. You are a part of the house of God. And Jesus is the high priest over the house of God. The high priest ministers to God on our behalf. He takes from us, he presents to the Father, and then he takes from the Father, he brings back to us. So he is the high priest. We don't only have a high priest, we have a great high priest. Very efficient. Nothing is left untouched. No stone is left. God will... Oh, oh, what's going on? (laughs) He did it. He's in trouble. (laughs) So God, this is our high priest. So it tells us, and having a high priest, so we have two witnesses here, two different scriptures telling us about the high priest. That makes it very clear. God has a high priest, and the high priest is over your confession. And I'm going to read through that scripture. It says, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart, in full assurance of faith. So faith is already there. You're coming in with a true heart. Having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience. We're talking, we talked a lot, the last time about an evil conscience and how that can affect your Christian faith. So we want our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. That's the word of God. Then it tells us again, let us hold fast. The confession of our hope or of our faith without wavering. Don't go back and forth. Stay with your confession. Hold fast. We need to understand when God's telling us to hold fast, there is a tendency in us to let go. That's what he's saying. Don't let go of your confession. That's what he's saying. So let's hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised 
is faithful. In other words, if you let go of your confession, you get no result. But the tendency to let go is already there. And you're feeling it. And you want to say it. You want to feel, say what you're feeling inside. I don't feel God's going to do this. I feel this way. But God says, hold fast to the confession of what you're believing. Don't let it go. Because he who promised is faithful. And you have a high priest that is holding to your confession. And he is going to use your confession to deliver what you are believing God for. But if you let go of your confession, there is nothing for him to work with. So our high priest is standing before our father, ministering to the father on our behalf, but he needs your confession of faith, what you're believing, hold fast to it, because God will promise he's going to come through. Don't let go. Even though it seems like nothing's going to happen, don't let go. Still stand fast and believe. And so we started talking about different things that we must hold fast to. And last week we talked about fear, to make that confession that there is no fear in your life. Because fear gives access to the enemy. And so the first line of attack, when something happens to you and Satan is telling you, this is going to go this way. Usually when he tells, speaks to you, he tells you something, he's telling you, the opposite side is going to get worse. It's going to get bad. He's going to suffer. You're going to suffer shame. He's going to be. He's ministering to you. And he wants you to confess that. The fear that you're feeling. But God says, no, confess the faith drawn from the word of God. Hold fast to your confession. Don't let it go. And we ended last week talking about holding fast uh, to your confession of faith that you will never know want. You will never know want. And uh, I, I said last week, from the start of our church, I preached a lot on this and then we repeated it over and over again, talking about the fact, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I said to you, for most of the part, I was talking to myself. And that was my confession. But thank God you can listen to it while I confess my confession of faith that God is my shepherd. In other words, until you confess that he is your shepherd, he is not your shepherd. You have to confess it with your mouth. Read Psalm 91. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge. And my, so you have to say it from your mouth. When you own it, it belongs to you. So we have to confess with our mouth no matter what's happening in your life financially, and want doesn't only refer to uh, money, it can be want of relationship. You want a friend or something. You need a job. Whatever it is, you must hold fast to that confession that God is your shepherd and you won't know these things happening to you. But I want to go to verse 5 where it says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. God prepares a table. So you have to say, God, I'm abundantly supplied. Notice we read the scripture, but David was actually confessing it before God, right? We're reading the scripture, we're reading the scriptures and we're thinking, this is what David said, so I'm going to read the scripture to get something. But it was David's confession. David was saying, Lord, you are my shepherd. And he says 
here making his own confession, confession that God has prepared an abundance before him in the presence of the enemies. Now, the focus is not the enemy, it's the abundance. The enemy can do nothing about their abundance. They're just around. They can stop anything. But notice what it says. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup runs over. Anointing your head in their time to anoint your head means you're welcome. Greatly welcome. That's what it means. In other words, when God invites you to that table that he's prepared, notice God is taking time to prepare a table for you. It's not just anything he can find just to put so you can come. No, he took his time to prepare that table for you, and it's a table of abundance. So he anointed you. David says, he has anointed me. I am greatly welcome to this table. And because there is abundance, it's not just for one day. My cup, that's my life, will be running with these blessings. So you have to confess that, whether you feel it or not, because that's the scripture. That's what God has spoken to us. So he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He's anointed my head with oil. My cup runs over. So we have to constantly, especially when the enemy is ministering to you and reminding you you have issues in your life that's going to bring about want. It's easy if you are in a place where you work and you're hearing rumors about layoff. And you begin to do all the calculations in your mind. If they're going to lay off these people, and you, in your mind you're saying, that guy is a real, he's very close to the boss, so possibly he's not going to be laid off. The other guy is really efficient and he's here early. So he might not be laid off. And then you make all those calculations, and before long, I know I'm going to be one of them. <laughs> well, you said it. You said it. And usually it's the enemy that's ministering to you. And as he ministers to you, the fear comes over you. And the dread. And you begin to make arrangements. See what you do? You begin to prepare yourself for what's coming. That's faith in reverse. You're preparing for it. You see how our minds work? That's why the Bible says we should renew our minds. If you want to be transformed. Through the renewing of our mind. You can think it, but it's better to say, no, I reject that. Unless God has something else for me. We're all together in this. I feel the fear when I see things that I don't want. You understand? You feel it. But don't repeat it. Don't say it. Don't let it come out of your mouth. You can think it, but don't make it your confession. Don't own it. I just knew I'm going to be one of them. Well, you said it. It's going to happen. And you are not surprised when it happens either. Because you were expecting it. Right? You are expecting it. So that's faith in reverse. You have really not stood in faith. You haven't held on to your confession of faith. You gave up. If you stand up believing God and nothing happens, what do you lose? You can tell yourself, God has something better for me. And you can, instead of focusing on the issue and what you're hearing, you can say, my God shall supply 
all my needs according to his riches in glory. That's truth from the word of God. Amen. So instead of focusing on what you're saying and what's going to cause you fear, focus on what God says because you have some comfort. And perhaps while you are focusing on that, the Holy Spirit in that still small voice will speak to you, don't worry my daughter, don't worry my son, I'll take care of you. You still don't know what's going to happen. But now you have the peace of Jesus. And he, angels have been sent for to minister on your behalf. But if you accept what is being told you, and notice just a little rumor that you heard. Now your mind is all over the place with fear, and there are all kinds of imaginations. Remember Second Corinthians 10? Casting down what? Imaginations. And every thought that's against, if it goes against what God has promised, you just know I don't accept that. I don't accept that. I will stay with what God says. That's why the scripture is saying, hold fast to the confession of your faith. Don't waver. Because a double-minded person is unstable in all his ways. And we are are supposed, remember what the scripture says, the just shall live by what? They have emotions, feelings. I just feel. Well, God's not asking for your feelings. It's asking for you to believe. If you can only believe, all things are possible. Now, I'd like to go to this scripture. Um, 2 Corinthians 4 verse 13. It says, since we have the same spirit of faith, as it is written, I believe, therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore speak. So we need to speak what we believe. If you believe you're going to die, keep speaking. We know what's coming to you. If you believe you won't be able to pay your bills, and it seems silly because you know there's nothing happening, and your mind's telling you you're in trouble and nothing's going to happen. What would you lose if you, nothing is happening? You can still trust God, right? You have a testimony after the test, right? If you believe God for something that's impossible. And God specializes in doing the impossible. So you can trust God without going back. So the Lord prepares a table for you. My God will supply all of your needs according to his riches. Notice, not according to your riches, not according to how much you can work, not according to your employer and your resources, according to what? His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. And you know, also, I want you to confess this. Say it with your mouth. When Satan, usually this is, we are all in this together. I'm peaceful and all of a sudden he reminds me of it. You know? We, don't, we think we're thinking. But Satan reminding you and as soon as he reminds you, the dread comes over you. That's the time to shoot at your arrow. Amen? Say what God said in his word. And God's word will not return to him void. This is a key principle in the word of God. And Jesus was very clear. 
asked. He was saying things like, my father is always with me. My father, the one who sent me, even though you don't see him, he's with me. He'll never leave me. He's always with me. He says things like, those that the Father has given to me, no man can pluck them out of my hand. The one who gave them to me, he's bigger than me. Why is he saying all of those things? Do they need to hear it? Those listening to him, do they need to hear him say that? Why? He was making his confession. That's the way it's established. They didn't need to hear that the, one, the father who gave them to me is greater than all. Why would he be telling them that? What would they do with that? But that's the, the way faith works. You speak it. He's showing us how to walk with the father. The father has not left me alone. He says that over and over again. So we need to learn that this is the way it works. The walk of faith is what you say with your mouth and, and you believe in your heart and you act on it. So we have to say these things. In Deuteronomy chapter uh, 8 verse 18, he tells us this, and you shall remember. So I say to myself, God, I'm remembering you right now because you are my God. And you are the one that gives me the power to get wealth. So what's the meaning of that? The power to get wealth? You mean employment? I don't know what it is. But whatever it is for your life, God's going to deliver that to you. And for everyone it's different. So God didn't specify what that is. He just says the power to get wealth. I am the one that gives you the power to get wealth. And he tells you why that's going to be the case. That he may establish his covenant, which I swore to you, to your fathers, as it is this day. God wants to establish his covenant with your father, that's Jesus, by blessing you. So, I, I, I may not quote all these scriptures, but I can go around saying, I have the power to get wealth. And I won't be telling a lie because the word of God says that. It sounds foolish. But that's what the word says. And the Bible says, let God be true and every man a liar. So you're saying it, they look at you and say, what are you talking? Have you lost your mind? You say you have the power to get with. What power are you talking about? Best not say it around people who don't understand. Okay, But you can say it in secret before. Go into the closet and deal with your father. And say those words. And your father who sees in secret will what? Reward you. Openly, only after you are faithful in well-doing. Well-doing, saying the same things. Holding fast to your confession. Especially when everything around you is saying you are in real trouble. And you're going to have it. This is going to be really bad. But you're turning to God. God, I'm looking to you. I look up to the hill from whence come my help. And you said, the Lord is, the name of the Lord is my strong tower. No matter what's going on, God's going to take care of me. And I think if, if God records every word that a person speaks, because he said, you will give account of every idle word that you speak on the day of judgment, that means if he's making you give account of idle word, he's listening to everything I say. And I'm responsible for everything I say. 
He's responding to everything I say. If he doesn't like it, you're going to answer one day for it. So when I say the things, when I speak the word of God, he knows I'm making, I'm saying the right word. And he says he watches over his word to perform. So this is the key here, the principle of scripture, how we should live. We can go to um, Joshua. We've used this scripture before. Joshua chapter 1 verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. Keep saying it. Especially when things are not going the way you think it should go. That, that's when you have the tendency to let go. But God said, don't do that. Let the weak say, I am strong. Don't say what you're feeling. Say what the word says. The Lord is the strength of my life. And if the Lord is the strength of my life, he won't be just one hour ago, the Lord was the strength of my life. But now, I don't feel that way. No. The Lord is the strength of my life. He stays the same. Because the Lord is eternal. And if he's the strength of your life this hour, the next hour, he's still the strength of your life. And he wants you to say it from your mouth. And when you say it from your mouth, he's established in heaven. Forever, O Lord, your word is established. And so when we say the same things, that's what it means to hold fast. Saying the same thing that God has already said. And the trouble is, we want to see the result right here. And so after two days, I've been saying... This pastor told me to say this, and I really feel foolish saying this stuff. <laughs> Guess who is ministering to you? The devil. He wants you to stop saying it. I don't feel right doing that. And other people say about speaking in tongues, geez, that's kind of creepy. <laughs> yeah, I know his thoughts are higher than her thoughts, and his ways are higher than her ways. I don't understand it. I obey. And the Bible says to obey is better than sacrifice. And to hack in than the fats of ram. All the sacrifice. No. God said just do what I say. Even if you don't understand it. It makes it more pleasing to him when you just obey. Even though you don't understand what that is. So it's very important that we do that. We need to also understand, whenever God says to make certain confession, we talked about the fact that the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You believe that, but there are other things that must go along with that as well. If you really believe the word of God, because that's not the only thing that is spoken, there are things that God is giving to us, and you need to act it out when possible, some things you cannot do anything about it. If you believe in God for healing, you can make the confession for healing. But what else can you do? There's nothing you can do. You just wait for the Lord to do something about it. By you believing and confessing and asking your brothers and sisters to pray for you, you're believing. That's all you can do. But there are other things that when you're trusting God for, God has some other things there. And you must act out your profession. Profession, that's higher. If you have a profession, it's, that's your life, right? We agree? 
not just speaking it, it's your profession. If that's your profession, uh, you're a musician, you, we got to see you playing music, right? That's your profession. Hold fast to the profession of your faith. So hold fast to that. Act it out. Don't tell me you're a doctor, but you don't ever do anything <laughs> relating to that. If you believe in God for finances, there are certain things that God has also said that you must do. It's an act of faith. You act it out to let God know that you truly believe. Not just saying it. When it's needed. If you just make the confession and God knows, yeah, he's saying it. You remember the Bible says, that with your lips, they honor me, but your heart's far from me. Well, he wants you to act it out. We have to act it out so that God knows that you really believe in this. We have to do something about what we believe. This is what James says. It's James chapter 2, verse 20. But do you want to know, oh foolish man, you want to know, faith without works is dead. There are times when you need to act it out. <laughs> you have to act it out even though it's risky. You have to act it out. Jesus said to Peter when he said, if, if that's you, Lord, bid me to come. Walking on water. Simple answer back, come. Right? <laughs> Lord, really? You really mean that? I confess I can walk on water. Well, can't get out of the boat. Okay? Don't just stay in the boat saying, I believe, I believe I can walk on water. And you keep yelling at me. You have to get out there and walk on water. We have to act our faith when it comes to this. There are things that God says for us to do. When it comes to this, the Bible tells us in, with regards to want, give. And it shall be given to you, good measure, pressed down. So you're trusting God. You have to tell God, I believe. And you have to sow because that's the way it works in this area. It gives you the power to get wealth. And the Bible says, the one who steal, let him steal no more. Find a job so you can give. So your giving is very important. Now, the giving may not just be to the church. Your tithe, that goes to the church. But you can give to somebody who is needy. And God says if you give to somebody that's needy, you're giving to him. He's going to pay you back. It's a loan to God when you give. So you know these scriptures, you're confessing, then you have no fear because you're confessing your faith, and then you act it out. I've heard so many testimonies. Somebody says, I, all I had with me, that's just, just this money. But I'm going to give it up. I, now, I'm just talking to you. I remember, I don't know if I want to give it's a long story. But years ago, I was in the uh, University of Georgia. And I was waiting for money from Nigeria because I had to pay my fees. And it wasn't coming. Uh, this was probably my second year in the United States. Can't work. I was very, very worried. Uh, this is true story. It, it's an amazing thing. I've got to tell this story so you understand how this work is important. My wife's laughing at me, but I'm not going to pay attention. <laughs> I'm good. But this is really important. I think it'll help you because it helped me. 
I, I think I was, I was living in a place and we had to pay $25 a week bef- in between semester, you know, and I had to pay that. And I paid with the fewer men I had, and I think I had probably, I still remember, probably just 30, $30 left. So I told myself, that was all. No, I mean, now I can pick up my cell phone and call Nigeria. Is the money on its way? But then, no, you can't call. Not if you have only $30 left. A minute is three, $3. <laughs> it's gone. And that means you have to call them and they have to go call the person to come to that phone to see uh, if they can, you can call at the time while they are around. Uh, no cell phone. So there was no way to know. So I thought to myself, if I give them $25, it was a week left before school resumed. If I give them $25, I will have only $5 left and I'll starve. Okay? But if I send like $15 to T.L. Husband Ministry, so you know I've always loved T.L. Husband, and maybe God will see how bad things are for me and help me out. So I sent the $15 out, and uh, I figured the remaining $15, if you're a Nigerian, we have something we call soup. If you've been there, you prepare your soup, large one, and then a big part of soup, and then uh, something to go with it. And uh, at least $15 in those days will help me with that big part of soup. And, and uh, whatever that goes with the soup, and if God doesn't do anything before that, uh, I'll see him in heaven. <laughs> yeah. I did that, and I was very nervous that they'll kick me out of my room if I didn't pay. So I went to my friend, his name Samuel. I said, uh, Samuel, um, I don't have enough money for next week's rent. He said, really? I said, he said, the last, is it not the last week before school resumed? Uh, he said, yeah. I, I, I said, yeah, it's last week, but I, I have to pay. He said, uh, I don't think you have to pay. I said, please don't lie to me. Are you telling me the truth? He said, yeah, I've been living here for long. I don't think you pay. I said, let's go to the office to verify. And we went there and they said, oh, don't worry about it. You don't have to pay. So I got my $15, and I've sent out the $15 out. So I went to the store, and I bought my, all the ingredients for my nice soup and what goes with this soup. And us Nigerians, we have to put some, a lot of onion in it. And I forgot to buy onions. The soup was not going to taste good. I know I'll make you laugh tonight. I felt so bad. I came back. There was nothing left. My soup without onions, that's not good. And you can laugh. So I was getting ready for my last meal, you know. My last meal. And um, I went to a a fellow. It's it's, it's this funny story. The way God put that together, it was an amazing thing. I guess I was a great man of faith, you know, but... (laughs) There's no faith. It's every day I'm praying and doing all this thing, hoping God help me. I'm in a strange land, don't have too many friends. Uh, uh, I could starve here. But somebody in the church said, good luck, I'm moving. 
before the semester starts, uh, come and help me move. Uh, you don't have to do anything. I just want to put stuff in boxes with fellowship. So I went with him. There was nowhere to go. I needed to go somewhere because it's in between semester. I went with him. I was sitting in his living room just reading National Geographic. And all of a sudden, he said from the kitchen, Good luck. I have a bag of onions here. I almost dropped the book. (laughs) Really? He said, do you want some? (laughs) Give me the bag, please. (laughs) I need the bag. And I was, I was dazed, like, oh my God, of everything. He remembered the onion. So I knew God was with me. This is going to be a real tasty soup, okay? (laughs) I got my soup prepared. You guys are laughing. You've never been there. <laughs> I got my soup prepared and stuff to go with the soup. And um, first day I ate and the soup was going down. <laughs> and I'm counting my pennies. And Samuel will gather a few pennies and say, good luck, you can, you can have this. And then all of a sudden, one evening, I was in the room, just a little place where we eat, you know, for a night. And I was praying over my food. Lord, thank you for this last good meal. And uh, thank you, Lord, because I didn't know where the money was going to come from. I just moved to University of Georgia. I didn't know my friends in church very well at this point. So I didn't know what to do. As I raised up my head to eat, some fellow came in and said, Good luck. Come here. And I said, Oh, I got trouble. Now I really got trouble. What's going on? He says, you see this envelope? It was where I stayed in my first semester before I moved just to survive from where I was to a lower place. And he had gone in there and said, this envelope was sitting on the floor. I mean, it was right there on the floor and everybody was walking over it. And he's Nigerian. He recognized my last name. And so he picked it up and said, I opened it. I've forgotten whether I was six or nine thousand uh, dollars, three thousand. He says, "Here's your check. Don't you ever do that again. These people, they'll take it and catch it." And I'm thinking, he could have cashed my check as well, but he brought it to me. I had enough money right before school started to pay my fees, and I had abundance at least for that second, uh, first year or so when I was here in the United States. God came through for me. You have to act it out. You have to act it out. You have to believe. That's a very small thing, but he taught me a lesson at that point. That God is faithful when we put actions to our word. Let me read this scripture, and I'm going to close tonight. And there's another time. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. It says, and God is able to make all grace, all grace, abound toward you, that you always having all sufficiency. Notice what God says. Not sometimes, always having all sufficiency. He says, in all things. 
think about it. God means what he says. He, does he have favorites? He's going to do it for some or won't do it for others. God says we can always have all sufficiency in all things. May have an abundance for every good work. In other words, I'm able to give. I, you know, some scriptures that have lasted until this year is in Isaiah, I mean Ezekiel 36. God says, I will not allow you to suffer the reproach of famine. So, famine is reproach when you can't get, you can't get things done because you have want. It's famine. Everybody can be having an abundance, but if you don't have to take care of your needs, that's want. But is, can God help us in that situation? That's what we need to determine. Can God help me in that situation? Can God help me because I don't have a job? Can God bring, give me a miracle? We have to know that. But he says God is able to do that so you can have abundance for every good work. So your heart has to be to do something, to help, to give good works, to give of yourself. Whatever it is, time, money, whatever it is, you are willing to give. Then he tells us in verse 10, Now may he, that's God, who supplies seed to the sower. So God wants you to act on what you're believing and speaking. He will supply you with seed if you want a harvest. So speaking it and believing, God may give you just a little seed. Like I said in my story, all the seed I had was, I had was $30. That's all I had. That was all I had. In a foreign country where you couldn't work. But that was all I had. So I had to make a decision. If I held on to that $30, before long it will be gone. No help will come from that. $30 is not enough to survive in the United States. But in my mind, how would it hurt me? I can let go of $15, half of it, and see what God will do for me. God supplies seed. He gave me seed. I had seed. It was 30 But I had seed. God is the one that supplies seed to the sower, and he wants you to sow. God, I want to sow. I have difficulty, but give me opportunity to sow. You can read Psalm 126. He who continually goes forth, weeping, bearing seed for sowing, will doubtless come again. Bringing in this, with rejoicing, bringing in his sheep. So we have to act this thing now. You don't have to give so much. I, I mean, I couldn't give everything, but I gave a part of it that I was comfortable with. But that act of faith, he's telling God, I'm adding action to my confession. And that will activate it. So you can, sometimes you can keep saying, God saying, I just gave you something, a seed. Somebody may walk up to you and say, well, here is $100. Wow, thank you, Lord Jesus. He could be your seed. You'll be making confession, God gave you a seed. That doesn't mean you give all of it away, but keep some. I mean, the farmer doesn't sow everything. He keeps some. So you give part away for your, for your sowing so that God can return. Let me finish with this scripture. He tells us here, 
Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food. So he wants you to keep eating. Okay. Bread for food. Supply and multiply the seed you have sown. And increase the fruit of your righteousness. While you are enriched in everything for all liberality which caused thanksgiving through us to God. In other words, through us, that's the apostle and the rest of them, the workers, they, they travel around. They get from you so that they can go minister to God and they're thanking God on your behalf because of your generosity. And as you do that, God multiplies the seeds. So these are principles God has given to us in the word of God. The Bible says it's useless to wake up early and stay up late eating bread of sorrow. That's what God says. So hard work doesn't always equal wealth. You have to trust God. But you have to say these things. You see, what it is, is the more you confess it, and if you're really a genuine from a, a good conscience, what's going to happen is that word will begin to take a hold of your heart. And then you are no longer afraid to let go. Amen? You are no longer afraid to let go. You are willing to give. You are not afraid because you believe what you are saying. And so God will direct you. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. When you are afraid to let go, you are not there yet. And if you let go at that point with fear, you just threw it away. Because everything that is done without faith is it's, there's no faith there. But you have to do with believing God's going to answer. All this stuff you hear from people that say, you know, we just give it to God, we don't care about what happens. That's not faith. You give it believing. That's what God says. There, there, you can't have a purer motive than what's written in the book. God says to expect it. And you say, well, I don't want to expect it. That self-righteousness has nothing to do with Scripture. you got to expect. It may not come overnight, but God's going to bring it back to you. You can never give God anything and He won't return it back to you. He may not return it the next day. That's where the test is. Because you, most people, when they don't get it the next day, well, this stuff doesn't work. God knows. He, he's a test. He's got to test you to see whether you really believe or you're just playing games. You can't play games where he knows our heart. So, but if you really believe or you're trying to believe this stuff, he'll help you. And that's why I like, for me, I say it a lot. God, I believe. Then I add the one that goes with it. Please help my own belief. You don't know pastor does that I do that a lot. Yeah, I do it. Help my own belief. Especially when it's not settled in my heart. And these signs are still there, and I'm not too sure. We are all in the same boat. You know, I can see it, and it's frightening. So I'm trusting God, but I'm saying, God, I, I need your help. But he is faithful. God says his faithfulness will never fail. And like I said on Sunday, if God loves you just as he loves Jesus, that's what the Bible says, the same love that God had for his son Jesus, he's upon my life. According to Jesus, Jesus said that. I want them to know, I want the world to know that the, um, the love with which you love me 
It's the same love that you love them. That's me and that's you. God will take care of us. Amen? Stand up with me. Down. I'm going to keep you up. Amen. There is a reason why we hear what we're hearing. Sometimes I pick up a book and I can immediately tell God wanted me to read this book and it changes my life. Still in this process. There's a reason why God wants you to hear what you're hearing tonight. Don't be a forgetful hearer. I, I'd always like to experiment with something. Because until you do it, you will never understand it. I hear something. I read something. I think I said it here before. I read a, a book by Charles and Francis Hunter. They said, How to Heal the Sick. I got excited. So I kept looking for opportunity to heal the sick. And wondering what was going to happen. You're a little afraid, but you do it. And God... He won't allow his word to fall to the ground. You act on it and immediately he takes over. And then you gain something that's eternal that will never go away. Okay? So no matter what's happening with you tonight, can you believe God? And I'm believing God with you that things are going to change. Can you do that? Don't look to what you see with your eyes. That's what Abraham never did. He didn't consider his own body. Because we're looking at things from the natural. God says to look at it from with a spirit eye. Amen. Let's lift our hands up today. And, and I want you to speak to that problem. Especially the one that you think about. When it comes into your mind, it causes you dread or fear. Say to that problem, God is with me. I'm no longer afraid. Because God has not given me the spirit of fear. And then speak what you believe God's going to do for you. And say it with all boldness. The Bible says, come boldly to the throne of grace. Come boldly to the throne of grace. So we come boldly before the Father, making our confession that God is with me. No matter what the enemy is planning, it will not work. All these thoughts that I get in my head and all this dread that I feel, these are false symptoms of the things that the enemy thinks will happen to me, I will never receive them. I trust in the Lord with all of my heart. God, I trust you with all of my heart, and I'm not letting go, because I know you will not fail me. That's what we need to do. And then I have to remind myself, I know there is a God. This is not a joke. God is. And if God is, I'm speaking His word, I'm believing His word, He will come through for me, because He never fails. God will never fail. I got Jesus in my family. My home is happy. Amen. God, all the bills are paid for my kids and myself. Amen. God never fails. They need a job, they'll get one. They want to be successful, God's already given to them. Don't ever entertain anything different from that. Let them call you super spiritual, that's okay. Don't mind what people say. Stay with what God has said and let God honor you because you are honoring His word. When you say those things, don't go saying it to people. Don't cast your pearl before swine. Say it to those who have the same thinking with you and say it boldly and God will confirm His word. That's what Christianity is all about. 
When you begin to see God at work in your life, that's when you know, yes, I am with the Father. The Father is with me. The Father will not leave me alone. He will never. He's always there with me. I will make it. I'm coming out of this nonsense. I'm going to make it. There is a God. God is in my life. I can never fail. With God inside of me, it's impossible. I will make it. Father, I want to thank you for your people tonight. Thank you for your grace. The abundant grace that you've given to us. You said those that have received abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness, they will reign in life. They will reign in life. They, we have received abundance of grace. And we have the gift of righteousness. It's a gift from the Father. The Father is giving me righteousness. I have His gift. And there is a fruit of righteousness. And all of my needs are met. All of my needs are met. And all the needs of the Ark Fellowship, every member of the Ark Fellowship... I declare all of your needs are met in Jesus' name. And you have abundance coming your way in the name of Jesus. You don't understand it. Just lie down in it. It's green pastures. Roll to the left is green. Roll to the right is still green. Tumble in it is still green. Because the Lord God has spoken it. God will not allow His word to fall to the ground. Abundance is coming to your, your life. This is a, the year of positive change. And we are entering into the Garden of Eden. I'm not going to let that go no matter what I see with my eyes. Because God is faithful. He is faithful who promised. He is faithful who promised. And I'm holding on to the confession of my faith. My hope. And I'm not going to waver. I'm not going to waver. Not because of the things I see with my eyes. Good days are ahead for us. Father, we thank you. We give you praise. We give you glory. We cannot fear when God is with us. There is nothing to be in dreadful. Because you promised, you told us, I am with you. I am your God. I will help you. Yes, I will strengthen you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And I thank you, God, for upholding your people tonight and encouraging them greatly from your word that you are faithful. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. And God's people said, Amen. Thank you for coming tonight.